Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now. I have episode 53 of the podcast that was originally recorded on December 15th of 2014. I started off with What I'm Playing Now and some of the games I played for the week. The Castles of Burgundy, number 11 on Board Game Geek's overall board game listing. I played The Resistance, Avalon, The Crew, Dragon Age Inquisition, Letters to Santa, and I played a little bit more Middle Earth Shadows of Mordor. Talked about one of the games I want to play now, Twilight Struggle. So enjoy the podcast. Good evening, gamers, and welcome to another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. My name is Joe Luzzi, and we are on episode 53. You can send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. Send the emails to whatimplayingnow at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at whatimplayingnow. Also, we have a Facebook page, What I'm Playing Now, if you just do a search for that on Facebook. Also, Google Plus, plus.google.com slash the plus sign What I'm Playing Now podcast. And, of course, our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash What I'm Playing Now. We are back to our normal Monday schedule. I was actually thinking about changing it to Wednesday, since that is when I have been recording the past couple of podcasts, and that's also when I've been doing my Way Back Wednesday stream of Diablo 2, but trying to do the podcast and Diablo 2 all in one night, I think it's just a little bit too much. I have to start a little earlier than I kind of really can from the time I get home from work, so I think we're going to stick with the podcast just on Monday evening, since that's pretty much the only thing I'm doing on a Monday besides hopefully getting a little Dragon Age Inquisition in after this, as I want to break in that new NVIDIA GTX 970 that I threw in my computer uh, last week, which is an outstanding video card, which I will talk a little bit about later when I get to some of the video game sections. But let's jump into what I'm playing now. And we're going to start doing the podcast in, a, I think, a shorter fashion. I think I'm going to drop a couple of the different sections and pretty much just, just discuss a lot of the games or pretty much the games I played for the week. And the first big board game I played for the week was a, a pretty hefty one, I have to say, and that's called The Castles of Burgundy. This game is actually number 11 on the Board Game or on on the board game Geek website uh, for, for overall board games, and I have to say this one is pretty good. The main mechanic in The Castles of Burgundy, I, I, I would pretty much say it's a tile placement game, but it also has the addition of dice involved with it during your turn which make for a very interesting twist. Basically the concept of the game is each player is trying to build up their kingdom by rolling the dice and then taking tiles from the main board and moving those tiles onto their own kingdom board or the player board I guess you could say. And before you can actually place them on your tiled board you need to place them in a staging area on your board so it takes you actually a couple of actions to to be able to move a tile from the main board onto your player board you can't just automatically place it but the interesting point of this is that the dice are what decide what tiles you can take and where they can be placed so on your turn you turn you can basically do one of four actions you can take a settlement tile from the from the numbered depot on the main game board corresponding to one of your dice rolls and then placing it in your staging area you can also take a tile from your settlement from your a settlement tile from your staging area on your player board and then place it on your player board with a matching number of a die so if i wanted to 
take a tile from the main board and be able to actually put it out onto my player board, I would have to have two dice that would correspond, one for a number on the main board and then one for a number on my board, and that would pretty much be the end of my turn because you're allowed two actions with the dice that you have. Unless if you play, unless if you're picking like a city tile or something that maybe gives you an extra action, but I can get into some of that stuff later. One of the other actions you can do is you can deliver goods um, on on, to you, on your turn, or you can take worker tiles that you may have accumulated to actually adjust the value of your die, which is very interesting. You can also spend a die to get two worker tiles on your turn as well. So, so there's a lot that you can do with your turn, and the dice really add a very interesting twist into the whole game by having to really pay attention to what what you want what you're wanting to basically purchase off the main board what you can actually play on your board and you only have three settlement tiles on your board that you can kind of backlog tiles to before they're placed onto onto your player board so it you really have to juggle quite a few things on your turn and the game the game scoring is really crazy because when we when all of us first started, I think there were two people that we had played with out of the four people that had played that had played once before, and two of us hadn't. So we sat there and read the rules and figured out the game pretty quick. The two people that had played hadn't had had only played one time, and they haven't played for quite a while. So they so they kind of had an idea of what was going on, but they weren't really too sure of the full rule set. So we were able to get that all. Set, you know, settled around, and the scoring we found towards the end of the game racked up really high. We gave each player a, tie, a, to a token at the beginning of the game, which had a 100 on one side and then a 200 on the other side, so you knew where you were at going along the outer board track, which is the scoring area, and we kind of looked like each other, like 200. That seems kind of high, but towards the end of the game, pretty much everybody was over the 200-point mark, and we all needed to have that 200-point mark on the main on the on the board. So it was pretty crazy. I can kind of see why this game is is in the top 20 of board games from Board Game Geek. It was a lot of fun. There's a lot of strategy involved, and like I said, the the whole mechanic of mixing up the tiles as well as the dice was really interesting. I don't think I I really played a game that had that type of mixture before and there like I said there's just so much you can do on your turn the the way game order is set you can purchase ships that you can play on your tile and each time you actually play one of the ships on your tiles on your on your main player board you your token moves up one on the ship line and the and the player tokens kind of go on top of each other so the first person to play a ship will get to basically go first that next turn unless if somebody else plays a ship token after them when and their player token would then go on top and it's the player on top that gets to go first and you basically go down you know the different tokens and then everybody to the left of that would basically be how the order goes which is a really crazy concept too i hadn't seen anything like that because it took us a couple it took us a couple of times of reading through the rules and figuring out how it actually worked and the the, the tokens kind of going on top of each other as far as how the order went which was pretty cool um, but there's there's a lot of different things that you're purchasing in the game you can purchase mines you can purchase different type of um, castles you can purchase different type of livestock like chickens cows and when you're playing these types of tiles I don't want to say when you're playing all of those tiles, but when you're playing like the livestock tiles, if you can match next to each other 
two or three cows, you'll get multiple points for the matching tiles that you have next to each other. So there's just a lot going on. You also get bonus token or bonus points for completing different sections of your player map. So on the player map, the player map is all divided into different colored areas and there's like one castle or one city area that's all the way off to the left and you have to place the tiles next to each other so all your tiles are touching and if you can finish off a complete color you get an additional bonus based on how many colors or how many tiles were in that color set that you, that you had just finished so like I said there's a lot going on to the game I really kind of actually after playing it the first, my first time I kind of like to sit down maybe with the rolls one more time read through them again since I have a, a much better feeling of the game now and then go go through the rules one more time to make sure because I think halfway through the game we figured out there was one little thing we had been doing wrong and then we corrected it during the next round and the game basically consists of five rounds with five turns in each round so it was it was a little bit longer of a game I think it took us a little bit over a couple two hours to play uh, but I think everybody had a good time I really enjoyed it I definitely this would be another game I would bring to the table to play and I'm actually kind of looking forward to play it again once we were done with the castles of Burgundy though the next game was probably the big game of the night one guy pulled out the resistance Avalon and I had seen this game actually played before on Giant Bomb a few months ago when they were when they when they had probably about six to eight people playing it, I think it was. And it looked like it was a pretty cool little game. We had six players playing, and basically this is probably one of the best bluffing games I've pretty much played to date. So the game begins at the beginning of each round, each person's dealt a card. There's on, since we had six players, there's four good cards that were there in the deck and two villain cards. Everyone basically, after they're given their card, everyone closes their eyes and the two villains kind of sit there with their thumbs up. And then the two villains, the evil characters, get to look at each other to see who they are. Because they're going to work together to try to bluff the rest of the group into allowing them go, go on, go on um, adventures and explorations and try to basically make them fail. But the nice twist here is... After everybody closes their eyes and the two villains get to see who they are, and we basically were just doing kind of like a thumbs-up thing, the villains would close their eyes, leave their thumbs up, and one good character, who was named Merlin, gets to see who the two evil people are. And Merlin tries to kind of lead his group into telling who the two evil people are, but the biggest twist is... If the good players win, the villains get one more shot at the end of the game as there's an assassin card that's dealt out. And that's one of the evil characters, basically. And the assassin and the other evil character get a chance to discuss who they thought Merlin was. And if they can pick out who Merlin was out of all the good people, the game basically goes to the evil side. So how do you go on adventures, you're probably wondering. So at the beginning of the turn, once all the cards are dealt... The first player goes and they try to pick out, I think it was, I think on the first round, they pick out two people to go on a quest. And the quest can include themselves or anybody else at the table. And basically you're just trying to figure out who's good and who's evil during this. And a quest basically consists of you picking out however many people are going to be going on the quest and the whole group votes as to whether they will allow or not allow this quest to go you know to go on or to continue if the quest passes and everybody basically allows it 
All of the people that are on the quest are given a success or fail card. The good players must play a success card, while the evil players can play an a success or fail card. So sometimes if you're an evil person and you get picked to go on an early quest, you may want to throw a success card out there and let the good guys get a win for that turn. And it's basically the best of five rounds to see if good or evil wins. So throwing out a success card while being evil is something to sometimes do early on because you don't want to give yourself away too early and there's just a lot of banter and a lot of arguing and just a lot of convert conversations that go on during the whole game while everybody tries to figure out who's good and who's evil i was actually given the assassin card our first game and i actually evil had lost but um the guy who was the other evil person with me we sat there and talked for a second and we pretty much knew immediately who merlin was we picked him out and we won so the second game i think we had played i think good had won and i don't think they were able to pick merlin out or the, the evil people were able to pick Merlin out, so Good had won that time, and then the second game, or the third game we played, Evil won again, and I think I was evil, and it was very easy to tell who Merlin was in the third game, because he was basically stating through the whole game, those two are evil, those two are evil, and I just kind of sat there laughing, like, that is, nobody else was saying anything like that, so once once Good had won through the rounds, I basically said, you're, you're Merlin, and the game was over. If you ever get a chance to play the Resistance Avalon, definitely give it a shot. I think it's a game that everybody would really enjoy if they kind of enjoy bluffing games. And it's definitely something I wouldn't pass up. I I wish I had a game group here that could come to my house on a normal basis and play. But um, I may pick up this game just to be able to play it down at the game store when those who do have the game aren't there. I think there's a couple of different versions of this. I think there's 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 a game actually called The Resistance, which looks appears to be like a sci-fi version. Avalon is more of kind of like the medieval setting of the game, I guess you could say. But um, either of them looks... The Resistance looks pretty cool, but Avalon was definitely a blast. So let's jump on to a couple of video games I played this week. So this weekend, I tried to pretty much just concentrate on my computer and break in this new 970 video card that I threw in my computer last week. And I have to say, I went with the EVGA card. I went with the For the Win card. It's a little bit overclocked than a stock card. And I have to say, I am very impressed with what this card can do. Saturday, pretty much all day, I sat here and I used my 360 controller and I was playing The Crew, which is actually the free game that I was given or that I basically chose to get with the video card. I was able to choose from three Ubisoft games. I was given a choice of getting The Crew, uh, Far Cry 4, or assassin's creed unity and i heard assassin's creed unity had a lot of bugs but um i really wasn't into i'm really not into the far cry series and i've been really itching for a good driving game and while i did play the crew a lot and i think it's a good it's an okay racing game i can't say it'll definitely be my game of the year or make it into my top five or anything but i think it's an okay racer for right now i did have a few issues with the game it did crash on me a couple of times i tried to play pvp a couple of times and PvP was basically just against other online players, and it was extremely laggy. There were cars flying all over the place. You would be in one position, and the next second there's cars flying in front of you and kind of just hitching all over the place. It was a really bad experience. I'm not too sure if that has to do with anything with my firewall or anything. I was reading on their forums that 
there's a lot of port forwarding you need to do and I'm really surprised that port forwarding would really fix a latency issue like that because to me port forwarding would either allow or not allow the game to work so I'm gonna have to look into that a little bit and actually see if maybe doing some of the port forwarding might fix some of that stuff but other than that just the general driving in the game I it seems like they actually tightened it up a little bit or just made it a little bit better from what I played in beta I had played in a couple of the different betas for the crew, and I thought the driving was okay, but playing all literally all day Saturday, I kind of had a good time playing the game. The story isn't the greatest story in the world. It's pretty much just a normal type of video game story. I'm not going to give away any spoilers if anybody's going to be playing the game. But it's a typical storyline that you would see in a video game, so it's nothing. there's nothing groundbreaking or earth-shattering there. But I thought the graphics were okay. They may not be the best graphics like some of the other car games that are be coming out here in 2015 that I had talked about on the podcast like that project cars or whatever but I have to say I, th I thought the graphics did look pretty good once I get into some of the later games where I was playing some of the dirt tracks and I actually had got obtained a dirt car and was able to do some mountain climbing and stuff like that there's just a nice big variety and crazy lots of things to do in the game and I never felt like I was kind of bored. The other nice thing is once you kind of have an area kind of where you've gone through it and have looked around and have uncovered the you know the fog of war that's kind of covering up a majority of the map, I guess you could say, you could pretty much fast travel to any of the different scenarios and little quick adventures and races that are right there in front of you. So you don't have to spend time driving around. And I found, I found, I found myself just going the fast travel to th something doing it fast traveling to something else and i mean before i knew it i think i was like level 20 by the end of the night which i couldn't believe it some people are saying it has an mmo component to it it is online there is a persistent world i it sounds like there's a ton of other people playing online the one thing that kind of bugged me though is I did join up with somebody and started a crew, which is basically kind of like the whole gist of the game. And the one thing that kind of disappointed me when playing in a crew, the guy who started the crew and had started the, the, the quest or the scenario we were trying to beat, if we got halfway through it and he wasn't doing very good or if he kind of fell behind... He, he had the ability to just instantly restart it. And I sat there and let him restart it two or three times. And then finally I was like, I'm not going through this again because you can't drive. And I was almost completing the mission for him. And I think he was he wanted to be able to finish it. And he just kept restarting it. And finally after about the fourth restart, I just dropped out of the crew. And I was like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to be joining another crew here anytime soon. I'm going to have to play the game a little bit more before I really give it a final review. Uh, like I said, I pretty much played it all day Saturday. I think it's an okay racer. It's Like I said, it's definitely nothing groundbreaking. It's more, definitely more of an arcade racer. So if you're looking for anything maybe along the lines of like a Forza or a Gran Turismo, this game is definitely not it. I'm guessing I would equate this game more along the lines of like a Forza, um, kind of like the arcade racer they have out on the Xbox One. And so it's, but I will say it, it it is a little bit better than Need for Speed Most Wanted, which is what I was playing on my Vita. So although that game is a couple years old, but that's going to be about it for the, it for the crew. I'm going to continue playing it. I will try to write up a review once I get um, a few more hours into the game and get a feel for it and get maybe into some of the later game stuff, and we'll see how that goes. 
Uh, the next game I played uh, pretty much all day on Sunday then was Dragon Age Inquisition. Now this was one of the main reasons why I had upgraded to my 970 video card. I had a 560 Ti video card before, it only had a gig of RAM on it, and I really like playing with eye candy and the graphics turned up. I definitely couldn't play Dragon Age Inquisition at Ultra, so I lowered everything down to high set, the high setting, and I still noticed a lot of hitching and stuttering every 5 to 10 seconds. And I kind of figured it had to do basically with the frame buffering and, and me only having a gig of memory on the video card, so... I figured the 560 had lived its life. It was time to do an upgrade, and I was like, what better time than the 970s and 980s had just come out? I couldn't justify the $550 to $600 cost of the of the 980 card, so I pulled the trigger on the 970. Like I said, I went with the EVGA for the win card. I'm able to play Dragon Age Inquisition on Ultra, getting spectacular frame rate, getting no stuttering whatsoever. This game is probably one of the best looking games I've ever seen. Probably the only other game I think that might come close to it might be um, Elder Scrolls Skyrim. And considering how old that is, I really need to update some of the mods I have going on in Skyrim to maybe try to push the graphics up higher and see how good I can get Skyrim actually looking. But I'm not really too sure it's going to be able to touch Dragon Age because Dragon Age, during the cutscenes and even playing the game, the people, their faces and everything just looks real. The armor, the the graphics are just... I, I can't say enough good things about Dragon Age. I can see why a lot of people are voting for this as Game of the Year. I pretty much thought Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor was going to be my Game of the Year, but right now, Dragon Age Inquisition, I I need to put some more time into it before I make my final decision as to my game of the year, but Dragon Age looks like it may be able to to knock Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor out of my top spot this year. And I actually did pick up the season pass for Mordor over the weekend, although the first DLC hasn't been released, but they've released a lot of little pieces, little packages of DLC content. And I was I played Mordor pretty much all of Friday night was my Friday evening. I play, I just played tons of Mordor. I, I just was in the mood to just go back in there and just kill some orcs and had a blast. I played through one of the online parts of the game and how some of these people are able to kill five war chiefs and ten captains in 30 minutes, I have no clue. I mean, my character, I feel, is since I've 100% of the game, my character is fairly strong. But how people are killing these things that fast... I, I just I'm, I just don't know. Maybe I just like running around and killing things too many rather than just concentrating on knocking out the war chiefs and stuff because once I can get in a big battle with 30 orcs around me, I'm just loving the game and just I just love just sitting there just killing everybody. So that's probably why it took me probably an hour to finish what I think was the 30 minute time limit. But I still had a lot of bla a lot of fun playing Shadow of Mordor. Uh, just revisiting that since I hadn't played it in a couple of weeks. But back to Dragon Age Inquisition, I have to say I, I need to spend some more time in this game. The game After I'm done with the podcast here, I'm going to be playing that tonight and putting a couple more hours into it and see where I can get. But I'm still, I think, in the early phases of the game, and a lot of people at work that I've talked to that are into some of the later stages and some of the different later later areas they're just saying just wait until you get to where you know like where they're at and they're saying it's just it's it's amazing so i'm really looking forward to some more dragon age inquisition one of the last games i played was a little card game 
Letters to Santa. I think I talked about playing um, Love Letter last week. So I picked up Letters to Santa, mainly for the Krampus card, because I just wanted to get that. And taught my wife to play that the other night. And we kind of had a good time just sitting there and just playing a couple of hands of Letters to Santa. She thought it was a pretty easy game to pick up, which it is. And if you do get a chance to play Love Letter or Letters to Santa or any of the different variations of that game that are out there, I think I was looking on a board game geek. There's even going to be a Batman one coming out, I think I saw. Which, if that does come out, I will have to pick that up immediately because there's no way I'm going to be able to pass that up. So, But that's another fun game if you do get a chance to play. Look for that. I think it's only you know, like a $10 game, maybe even less than that. You could probably find it at your friendly local game store, so just check that out. So that's going to be about it for the What I'm Playing Now section. One of the games I want to play now, and looking through Board Game Geek's top listing of board games, Twilight Struggle is listed as number one. I haven't seen anybody have this down at the board game, or down at the game store yet. I'm hoping somebody actually shows up with it, as I would kind of like to see. It's a game from 2005, I believe. It's a game I, I'd like to play, like, the number one game on Board Game Geek and actually just see what it's like and see what the number one game actually, how it feels to play that. So I'm hoping maybe somebody has that game. I'll have to talk to some of the guys who normally have a good backlog of games that they bring into the store. And maybe one of them actually has that in their collection and they'd bring it in for one of us to play. So that's going to be about it for this podcast. I will be back next Monday, but of course you can send me emails and let me know what you're playing now. You can send those to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at what I'm playing now. Don't forget our Facebook page. Just do a search for what I'm playing now on Facebook. Also Google plus plus.google.com slash the plus sign what I'm playing now podcast. And of course our Twitch channel twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. Tomorrow night I will probably be playing some Dice Masters. So I will be talking about that this week. Since I just did the podcast on Wednesday, I had already talked about my Dice Master adventure for the week. I didn't actually get to play over the weekend since I was so busy playing the crew on Saturday. Uh, But I will be playing Dice Masters tomorrow. Thursday I'll be headed back down for board game night. And then Sunday I will be hosting another round of the Pathfinder Adventure card game down at Recess Games in North Olmstead, and we will be playing the actual first adventure, or the first scenario. Last week we kind of played the demo scenario for the season, so I'm hoping to maybe get through scenario one and two. Hopefully we pull out a win last week, or last time we played. We actually failed the mission. We ran out of time. Nobody had died, though, so that is a very good thing. But um, i got a lot of games that I'm going to be playing this next week, so in the next week. So next week's podcast should be filled with just a lot more stuff that I'm playing. So come back next Monday, check out the podcast, and thanks for watching. Have a good week, everybody. Mm-hmm.